Hey, Wallpod listeners, just a quick note before we start the show. This episode contains some strong language, so if you'd prefer a beeped version of the show, just go to our website, thewellpod.com, and click the show notes tab. You'll find it there. Okay, enjoy the show. I was scared. I was scared to live my life. I think is what it comes down to. Oh, I see. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I felt like I wasn't really like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> time you to know? time to live. Yeah. Welcome to the Well. I'm Anson Mount. I am Brandon Edgens. And today I have for you the second interview I did with Ethan Peck, who's playing Spock on Star Trek Discovery. It was Ethan's last day of work, and earlier in the season, he'd mentioned to me something about how, well, the situation where he had almost lost his life hmm. once had led him to where he was, uh, meaning standing right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that I had to get that down on tape. And so the the last day of work, I, it was my last opportunity, so I, I forced him into my trailer. Uh, it was cold. You'll hear the heater in the background. Um and I was on pins and needles, and it proved worth it. Are you excited? I'm excited. I mean, you can't. <laughs> there's no bigger setup than a life or death almost died setup. So <laughs> it better yes. Be good. All right. I hope it's good. Enjoy. Yeah, I think it's actually like the inception of the existential crisis that I had like over a little over a year ago that I think gave me deep insight into where Spock is at in this moment in his life. So I was 21, no, I was 22, and I was on a TV show called 10 Things I Hate About You. And we were picked up for 10 episodes, and um, I had to uh, I had to get my like motorcycle permit um, so that because my character rode a motorcycle so that I could at least sit on it and like ride it in and out of shots I never ended up riding it in and out of shots because they didn't trust me to do that obviously because I'm some idiot 22 year old (laughs) Um, but so I had the learner's permit and so it's basically a safety course to teach you how to ride episode 10 um, last episode the first order I wake up and I'm like I'm going to get my license today I had the day off and I went, I read the manual that morning because I can bypass the driving test. So it's much simpler. Went in, took it, passed. Been like, had been like eye buying motorcycles for the last couple of months. Like was on Craigslist, found this dude in the valley, bought this like metallic black and purple 1992 Yamaha FZR 600R. Just like fully analog, like no ABS, no, nothing electronic on it. And it was beautiful, beautifully preserved. And uh, five days later, I was riding back home. I was never going to drink when I rode the motorcycle just because that's, like, you're really rolling the dice if yeah, you do that. Yeah, that's stupid, yeah. And so I'm riding back from Roger Room, which is on La Cienega in Hollywood. And I was at the time living at Fairfax and Selma, which is like a 10-minute ride, and which is also a five-minute ride from the freeway. And I was heading home, and I was like, you know, I just really want to see the downtown lights like rise. And this motorcycle was new. The experience was new. I was so excited. And so I got into the 101 South. It's like 1.30 in the morning on a Wednesday night. And 
I'm riding, my head's down, I'm like checking my mirrors every couple of minutes because you ought to know what's behind you. And the last time I look, each side view mirror is just filled with headlights. And I'm like, that car's gonna hit me. And like, it was a, maybe a, a fraction of a second, but like, I was like, the car's gonna hit me. Um, my mom's gonna find out. <laughs> Because I hadn't told her. Um, hadn't told her you got a motorcycle? Right. Oh, God. And she obviously didn't want me to have a motorcycle. <laughs> and for exactly this for reason. For exactly this reason. <laughs> and uh, and uh, hopefully I don't die. The car crushes me. And I fly, it's like blurs of light as I spin through the air. And it goes lights out for like a, like a half of a second. And I land on my back and I'm skidding on my back. I have an armor jacket, a full face helmet, gloves, boots, but jeans on. And I'm sliding for like a hundred yards. Oh my God. And um, I have my hand, my left hand down on the ground to stop myself. I'm in the fast lane at this point. I was one in when the car hit me. And as soon as I come to a stop, my first instinct is I'm okay. It's all like slow motion, right? This is all probably all happening in the space. In so the you're space still of, conscious. Yeah. This okay. is happening in the space of like 10 seconds maybe. And my instinct is I'm okay. I get up and I've never been more winded in my entire life. I'm like, like, I, like I've, I played football and I've been like badly winded playing sports, but like this was empty, empty, empty. And I can't breathe and I get up because there are still cars in the freeway. And I get up and I straddle the concrete median right over from the fast lane. And I'm like looking, I'm looking left, uh, which was is now behind me, which was ahead of me to see where the motorcycle went. And I can't see it, I can't find it. I'm like, what, what just happened? Like, and I know I'm going into shock. And I thought maybe the bike had been launched off of the freeway or onto the other side of the freeway and I'm like, panicking because I'm like this this motorcycle is black it's going to be causing accidents like cars are going to be crashing into it and um uh the face the face shield from the helmet was gone and I'm like touching my face and I'm like oh my god is my face okay because I just like your adrenaline just goes through the and, roof you can't and you're an anything. actor yeah I'm an actor <laughs> <laughs> and um so I start like I'm out of my mind at this point and I start running the direction of the, of the flow of traffic on the freeway trying to wave a car down Cause I'd just like, what? Like, hold on. Like, I just don't know what to do. And, uh, oh, and I forgot an important part. When I looked to see where the bike was, there was a red car fishtailing like a hundred yards down from me, fishtailing and smashing into the median. Oh my God. And these four guys jumped out of it and ran across the freeway to the shoulder. And so, uh, there's still traffic at one in the morning in LA, as you know, and finally there's a break and I run across the freeway to the shoulder to meet these guys. And they're like, like hopping up and down on adrenaline they're like yo man that guy almost hit you and it was this toyota and i saw you and i pointed at you and i was like yo 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 and so the passenger spotted me and the driver like overcorrected and sent his car into his into a fishtail anyways they'd already called the ambulance i am just don't know what to do and ambulance comes and they stabilize my neck and I'm like, maybe I'll die. Like, I don't know. Like, I hit the ground very violently. And uh, I call my dad. And he's like, he goes to bed at like 1030. And I'm like, hey, dad. I put on my like super calm voice. I'm like, hey, dad. Um, 
a car, a car hit me. <laughs> I was on my motorcycle. <laughs> like the last call your father ever wants to receive right. from his son. And, uh, and he's like, okay. And like immediately gets in the car and comes to the hospital. I'm at Kaiser Permanente in Silver Lake or Los Feliz or whatever. And I get there and I'm like having a panic attack because I'm worried maybe I've ruptured an organ or something or I'm bleeding internally because my body felt crazy. And I have all this road rash on my, on my left butt cheek and my right. thigh because I was wearing jeans. And I look, but I look normal. And so you wouldn't think I was just like in a high speed wreck. And so I'm getting x-rays taken and the guy's like, stand up. He's like getting frustrated with me. And I'm like, I, <laughs> like, please, like, I need to see the doctor. I'm really worried that something's wrong inside. And he's like, and he's like super frustrated because I look normal. Mm-hmm. And um, they like bring me back into the ER. They've, they're like going to put me through a CAT scan. My, I, I drink this like beryllium drink that like illuminates your body to the MRI, right. all your your uh, veins, I guess, or, or nervous it's system. Disgusting shit. Yes, yeah, disgusting. And I go take the MRI, and I get back in the room, and my dad shows up, and I just like burst into tears because I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen, and um, and he was so amazing and solid for me, and uh, and it was interesting because he is a Vietnam vet, and for the first time I kind of caught a glimpse of maybe what he's what he was like, in a, in a in a place of of elevated emotion and trauma you know as i imagine he was he was just super calm and um wasn't freaking out and i was completely freaking out and they finally they put me under because i was like having a panic attack and i wake up to these two sheriffs coming in like very kind of somberly and respectfully and um and they're like hey how are you doing and i was like like i just got hit by a truck like i feel crazy like where was the motorcycle they were like it was still attached to the car about a mile down the road upright. And I was like, what? They were like, yeah. I was like, who was driving it? They were like, the car was reported stolen about an hour ago. And um, it was abandoned. And the guy's gone. And I was like, what? That's so... They're like, yeah, we'll look for him, but it's not likely. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so the guy... It was like something like reached out of the darkness and like touched me in yeah, a way. Right. Like it was very harrowing, and um, all the tests came back clear. I had cracked a bone in my ankle, which I think I hit coming over the roof of the car. I think it clipped it, and that's what sent me spinning. Um, all these, all the doctors on shift kept coming in. Each like there were like four or five of them. They were like, "Are you the guy?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "You're the you're the motorcycle crash." And I was like, "Yeah." They're like, "Do you know how lucky you are?" And it was just it was so heavy and and it made me feel like have i died and am i just dreaming out the rest of my life like it really sent me spinning Mm. and they sent me off with the soft cast and i left at like six in the morning the next day and uh and i had to go into work the next week this was a was was there any internal damage so no there wasn't anything and so but i was afraid to go to sleep because i was so scrambled um, but like my sister actually spent the night with me one of these, uh, maybe the first night because I was so scared. I was afraid to fall asleep. And that was the first time I was really like, well, this is so fragile. And also why am I so lucky? Like born into this body and this part of the world and this to the family I've been born to, you know, like on a TV show right now, I'm a young kid. And, um, and that was the beginning of kind of a long odyssey of like, what, what's going on here? What are we doing here? Um, and that I think culminated 
in this kind of period of existential dread I had last year and and in this role I feel like this is this role is a result of the work I did over this year on that on that journey of trying to get get through that was it uh time to grow up or was it was it self-analysis or what what was it yeah i think it was self-analysis i think it was understanding how to drive the car that i had Uh that i had which i'm still trying to figure out like when i showed up here i was like freaking out like is this okay like Mm -hmm. you know because my mother was managing me for um such a long time i felt there were parts of me that were completely uh underdeveloped and uh and so it was a long time of understanding my situation, where I've been, where I'm going, why I'm going there, why are we here? Like the bigger silly questions that actors often <laughs> probably think about that I'm sure you've thought a lot about. Um, yeah. yeah. I was scared. I was scared to live my life. I think is what it comes down to. Oh, I see. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I felt like I wasn't really like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> time you to know? time to live. Yeah, time to live. And I feel like I'm still learning how to do that. You're, I I can honestly say you are doing much better at this age than I was. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have a much firmer grasp on who you are and what it is that you want to do, and uh, you're even self confidence than I than I had. Wow. At Thirty two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm yeah. shocked to hear that. Definitely. And I was a very self-analytical person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, re- I relate to you in that way very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you can articulate what the n- next steps are? Or? For the first time in my life, I feel like I have no idea. And maybe it's not acting. I, I, I have no... I feel like total unknown. But for mm-hmm. the first time, like available to that... And like, yeah, fuck it. Let's see what happens. But really deeply on a deep level where I'm not like filled with terror, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know, you know, this will come out and we'll do, we'll go to the opening and we'll go to some conventions. And I mean, I'd obviously love to keep acting and keep getting better at that. Um, I just want to be, I just want to be present. Uh, you know, with everything that's going on, because I think it's easy in this industry to check out of certain things because it's so intense. There's mm-hmm. so much energy that comes at you when you're in the position that we are, and I'm sure you've seen a lot more of that than I have. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that's yeah. what you have. That's what you have that I didn't at this age is a sense of identity apart from what it is that you do. Oh, and I, th- I think maybe I thought that I had that and I did. I really didn't. Um, Interesting. So much of my identity was tied up in what I did for a living wow. uh, or my quote unquote art uh, that, you know, <clears throat> rather than it be the other way around, that the art is just an extension of your journey, of yeah. your investigation. Whenever I see like some footage of myself, I'm like, I hate me. Like you, you are still grappling with imposter syndrome a little bit. Oh yeah, you know, and like, and I, I grappled with that as well. I, it got really bad uh, in my mid thirties until I realized what it was and what it was that was happening. What was it? Well, it manifested differently for me. 
like see for me it would happen when a piece of work was about to be unveiled uh-huh. whether a movie or or a play or whatever or um i would i would get hit out of the blue with this just tremendous sense of guilt for no reason Whoa. and i didn't know where it was coming from and i was just crushed by a sense of guilt and it would just debilitate me and now there is a side of this that i did i did not understand how depression worked at the time that was part of it uh-huh. but the source the trigger for that was you know i i i was a i was a nerd in school i was the kid that was picked on and stuffed in trash cans for a while when i was young no during way. adolescence so i was teased a lot so i'm like this thing of like anson mount leading man on the red carpet everybody screaming his name is very weird <laughs> to the young Anson, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm, and I realized, Oh, I'm, that's where it's got, like, I'm not supposed to, the young Anson is still inside thinking I'm not supposed to stand up in front of people and say things. I'll get my butt kicked. I'll get yeah. laughed at. And then once I realized that it went away, it just wow. went, it completely disappeared. Yeah. Um, and it just took us, you know, uh, an ability to realize that young Anson was, adolescent Anson was still pulling the strings Yeah. to realize, oh, okay, I'm a different person now. Yeah. I can be older, yeah. mature Anson and, and own it and be okay with it and know that I'm not going to um, screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still cutting strings. I'll notice things. I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, that's what that is." Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah. <sighs> How do you feel finishing this up? It's always bittersweet, you know, finishing a a long stint of work. You get better at it, especially now that I have a wife that I'm looking forward to going home to. Yeah. It's not. It's not as bitter as it is sweet uh, anymore I had a great time I feel good about the work you know that's yeah. always good that helps can't wait to see it <laughs> yeah me you too you know I have, I've never been on such pins and needles but you know, <laughs> and again I've never been a built in fan of the thing that I was going to do right yeah. So and that's weird It's it's been weird S- sitting in the captain's chair and that's going to be even weirder uh, watching me sit in the captain's chair yeah alright yeah. It's gonna be amazing. I think so. You're shooing. I think it's. Uh, I think it's gonna look phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I'll miss you. I'll miss you too, brother. It's been quite a journey. Oh, and there's the knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. They ready? Back from lunch. All right. Uh, you, I need in prosthetics. Let's do it. All I'll right. See you in a minute. See you, buddy. On this on set. Okay, very good. Thank you. I will give you a I'll give you a warning. Great, I'm gonna shoot some coffee and try to wake myself up. Okay. What are you recording? We're about to we're about to do your final shot. <laughs> we're about to do the final oh. shot of the season today. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about it? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Yeah, it feels very surreal. I'm not really, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't feel logical. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs>
Speech. Oh God. Um, <laughs> this has been uh, such a surreal experience. I can't believe this is over now. Um, this seemed like an impossible task. And what happens here is so special. Uh, every day, what you do here is magical. And it means a lot to everybody in the world that watches it, I think. And uh, I feel so moved and grateful to have been here. And I look into your faces, every single one of your faces every day, and you make me feel special. And <laughs> I mean, I have, I'm playing Spock, so I've got that going for me, but <laughs> I think I've been myself enough around you, and I feel safe to be myself. And uh, for the first time in my life, I feel like I belong. Um, and that's, that's a big deal for me. So thank you all so much. It's been such a pleasure It was kind of cool listening to you pass on wisdom to the young buck. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems like it should not be happening. But it is. I guess. And it yeah. is. No, it's definitively happening. <laughs> we have, we, and, and, anyone knows, and if you don't believe it, you recorded it. You can go back and listen to yeah. it happening. Uh, it's, it's, it's always... Uh, we've talked a lot about this. You know, our our whole lives really, and on the show as well. That on a on the most basic level, self conscious, it's, it's it's always some sort of self consciousness, right. and especially when someone attributes some sort of you know wisdom to you that you don't feel like you have, mm-hmm. it always feels no, 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 not me. You know, still the first thing that jumped out at me listening to that when he's telling the story about the accident was. The, the very, very clear impression of a young man who is really in the thick of that struggling with his place and whether or not he should have these things in his life or he deserves, deserves these things. Because the first thing that happens, be, the, his first thought before he gets hit by the car is, oh, no, my mom. Mm-hmm. And then he's sitting straddling the median, thinking, "I hope my bike isn't causing accidents." Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that's. Those are super uncommon feelings to have, and I think, I, I, I think that's something that, as a species, is more common than we let on for some reason. You mean that he's thinking about other yes. people? Yes. Yeah, and I don't think Ethan has really stopped to realize that either that that quality in him is what is going to carry is what makes him special and is mm-hmm. what's going to carry him into lands of success no matter what he decides to do or where he decides to go and Ethan I know you're listening to this stop mm-hmm. asking yourself how you're sounding ah, wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> hold on I have an opinion on this what? we only said hi in the parking lot um, uh, how you're sounding specifically oh yeah okay I've... I know he's listening to his own voice I, okay, I know it's a different kind of listening. Yeah. But let me just say that one thing that's almost incongruous about you, and now we're suddenly talking to Ethan on our podcast that's listening, that everyone's listening to, but I'm just going to keep going with this. 
Um, is that <sighs> your voice has this tremendous authority to it? Mine does. <laughs> No, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to Ethan right now. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that um, it's it's always the surprise when you find out the 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 person you thought had their shit together doesn't feel like they have their shit together, right. which is pretty much everybody, yeah. you know, unless they're a narcissist or something, <laughs> in which only a narcissist is like, I totally have my shit together right. more than anyone, in fact. But. Uh, but especially Ethan's voice, which kept being, was a subject of conversation. You know, it's like, wow, you just, th- he just starts talking and you, and everyone else falls silent and just wants to sit there and listen to his voice. I understand it's a completely different thing mm-hmm. externally, being on the outside and going, wow, what a mellifluous, amazing voice. You know, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's soothing. It's got gravitas. It's got all of that great male voice stuff going on in it. And it's, it's kind of like finding out that James Earl Jones stuttered. And again, that's one of those, but his voice is the quintessential voice of authority. But in his mind, it was, he can't, he can't, I've heard, there was an interview somewhere out there with James Earl Jones saying, I can't believe I'm the voice of authority because <laughs> I'm constantly wondering, am I even saying the right thing or not? You know, <laughs> like this, this insecurity yeah. is something that everyone struggles. Yeah. And it also, with. you know, that, that, that tendency to be self-analytical, it's never going to go away. Yeah. Ethan. It, it, it's the same for me. I was just listening to us play back this episode for Brandon's sake. And normally when I edit an episode, I try to edit myself out as much as possible. And, I, on this one, I just the conversation was a good one, and I, I sat here. I was thinking, wow, oh yeah, I sounded pretty. Oh yeah, that was a good idea, this man. <laughs> <laughs> just you become less negative, and in the voice, the editor's voice becomes softer, but it's always there, mm-hmm. and you can't you can't get rid of it. You're never gonna get rid of it. There's no point in trying to get rid of it. It will always be there. You just learn to work with it better, I think. And and and, and most of all, I keep talking about this sort of like. Uh, appearance versus how you feel inside in this you know dichotomy that's how i that's what helps me is knowing like this everyone feels this way mm-hmm. you know it's you know knowing you're not alone in this does uh, does wonders yeah and uh and it's and uh, if you don't mind i remember when you were going through that period in your really? mid 30s oh yes we were driving i think it was after that <laughs> I think it was after that time that we all rented, or you rented that place up in Swanee, and we spent Christmas uh-huh. or New Year's or something uh-huh. uh, drinking absinthe and watching a tiny little LED Christmas tree turn around playing It's a Small World After All or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was so weird. And it was like the most low-key New Year's Eve I've ever ever experienced. Because everyone's like, is the absinthe working? Like, I think it is. We've been staring... <laughs> I don't feel a lot, but we have been staring at this tiny little LED Christmas tree turn around for like an hour. So I think it's working. Uh, and uh, and you had I didn't realize I knew that it, you were having a, going through a rough patch, uh, but I didn't realize how rough it was when you said I don't know if I want to keep doing this acting thing. And I was like, whoa, well, that's that's a lot. And uh, and. If I've ever said anything wise to anyone, it was in, in that moment where you said, like I, I said, maybe the problem is that you are identifying yourself as an actor, mm-hmm. and that will drive you nuts. 
because if that's your only, if you if you feel like that's all you have to contribute to the world, and you, and then your last movie sucks or doesn't think reflects who you are, then yeah, it's going you're 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 going to be a uh, emotional pinball, you know, just getting shot all over the place, you know, by the way things react and you know you get slung around by other people's reactions, you know, to you. And and it was surprised me when I said something when I said that, like, well, don't call yourself an actor then. Just keep acting, but don't call yourself one, because <laughs> that's the problem. And you got really silent for like 15, 20 minutes. You went to those one of those super intense focused phases you go into that I go into as well. And uh, then you came out of it, you're like, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I hadn't thought of that. And it surprised me, like, what do you mean you haven't thought of that? <laughs> That hasn't occurred to you yet? Well, yeah, that's probably your problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good conversation because it it, 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 it it succeeded. And it, it it separated out for me the difference between my career mm. and my creative juice. Yeah. And the creative juice doesn't always have to do with my career, and that's okay. And I realized that for me, um, what I need to be happy is to be creating all the time, whether I'm getting yeah. paid for it or not, right. which is part of what led to things like this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. why we're here right now in this tiny bedroom in Brooklyn. Right. <laughs> and, and it talking may... about conversations <laughs> that have already happened. <laughs> <laughs> and and assuming on, on some sort of leap of arrogance that other people are going to find this really interesting too. <laughs> Yeah, and then we'll sell our business plan. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. What, what happened to our business plan? My business plan was I was going to make a movie that made a shit ton of money. That's my plan. We should get back on that. is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and myself, Anson Mount. The theme music for this episode was performed and recorded by Brandon based on a composition by Jonathan Myberg. The song you're hearing right now is titled Death Valley Waltz by Lucas Gonza, and it is provided under a Creative Commons 1.0 universal license. Special thanks to Ethan Peck for being a great castmate, a generous guest, and a remarkable human being. And we'd again like to thank the Star Trek Discovery family as well as the global Star Trek community. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And do us a favor, give us a review. Reviews help us by helping more people find the well. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.